Welcome to the Art of Strategic Reaction podcast. I'm Kyle Brost, a strategist and changemaker. I'm the CEO of Spark Policy Institute, founder and principal at Choice Strategy Group, and contributor to Forbes, Thrive Global, and Influencer. I lead at the intersection of strategy and impact, where I turn ordinary individuals into strategists and changemakers. Let's get started. Hey, 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 folks, this is Kyle Brost with another episode of The Art of Strategic Reaction. I am really excited to have Lara Pence Atencio on today and talk about some of her journey, um, some of the things that she's doing in podcasting with the Social Savvy Geek Show. Um, really excited to hear about what she's doing there and in digital marketing and talk about some of the major life events that have shaped where she's at and where she plans to go in the future. Laura, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I am glad to be here. Absolutely. We're excited for this. Um, obviously, we love to dive into people's experiences and lives and, and their professional life and personal life and, and just give people a sense of uh, the journey that everyone's on and that we share together. So I'm happy to have you on. Do you mind just giving us a little bit of, uh, you know, I gave a couple of sentences. Do you mind giving okay. us a little bit more about who you are? Who I am. That's a big question. Yes. (laughs) I am a, you know, self-employed digital marketing agency owner. I am a mama of a five-year-old little girl. I'm a U.S. master swimmer. I'm a capital, capitals hockey fan. I'm a Star Wars geek. I'm all the things, but. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's good. I'm, I'm a professional speaker and an author and a podcaster and I absolutely enjoy education. I have recently discovered that I am not a coach. I am a teacher. Hmm. That's interesting. That's an interesting distinction. Uh, it actually makes me think about when I first started consulting and I was doing a lot of facilitation, mm-hmm. uh, everybody told me that I needed to be a great facilitator. Uh-huh. And I found that I wasn't a great facilitator, but I'm actually a really good advisor. Um, and there's a subtle difference. So it's interesting that you say, you know, I'm not a coach, I'm a teacher. Tell me the difference between those two. Sure. Well, I actually went to Virginia Commonwealth University in Richmond, Virginia for art education. And I was getting a master's in education and early childhood. And of course I don't teach children at all, but, (laughs) but I actually knew that I wanted to be a teacher and I had thought, you know, teaching would be the thing to do. And then of course (laughs) I didn't end up being a teacher, but as an adult in business, I, I teach at, um, let's see, I've done Pikes Peak Community College and Colorado Free University in various adult educational centers. And it's very clearly their teacher. I'm lecturing, I have workshops, I'm interacting with students. Um, but in the entrepreneurial world, there's a big push for people to become coaches because then you're not paying for the people aren't paying for the materials that you're providing them or the education you're providing them. They're paying you for the shift you've made in the business and the difference. And of course the value of that is high. So people want to say, okay, well just, you could have so many fewer coaching clients and make so much more money. And this is true. And I have done it and it's, it's fact, but I don't enjoy coaching. I want to do strategy and consulting with either then training or done for you services or I want to educate people on what they need to know so they can make a decision about whether they want to do the work themselves, use a team or outsource or some combination of there. There's no one right answer. It's what works for you. Yeah. Um, but holding someone's hand through a project while they figure out the ins and outs does not make me happy. <laughs> well, I think that's a really important piece to it, right? Is I, I think so many people, and I, man, we underplay this so much, but so many people are pursuing something because they think the money is there. They think the glamour is there. And yet Mm -hmm. they're just not honest enough with themselves about whether or not they actually want to do it and enjoy doing it and are good at it. So they're just chasing these things because of some false impression they have without being brutally honest with themselves about Mm -hmm. what they like, what they don't like, what they're good at, what they're not good at. And I I feel bad for those people that just aren't. And I tell people, you've got to be brutally honest with yourself yes. because otherwise you're going to chase this for too long. You're going to burn yourself out and you're going to find that you didn't get anywhere because of that. It's true. And when you get a coach or a mentor, which I believe in coaching, I love coaches. I have coaches. Um, when you get a coach or a mentor or 
preferably both. You want to make sure you have someone who's going to teach you in a way that serves you and coaches you into a business model that works for you. Because just because they've had success with one model doesn't mean that's the model that's going to serve you and your life and your personality. Right. Absolutely. So there's more than one right way to run a business. Oh, without a doubt. <laughs> you know, I think uh, anytime somebody positions one thing is the right thing, I always just kind of have to shake my head because uh, there's not a right way to do any of this stuff. Right. It's fair to be passionate. It's fair to believe wholly in what you do, but to believe that what you do is right for everyone is just silly. Yeah. Well, it just ignores context and context is such an important factor to success. Yes. Well, so you're self-employed. How did you get there? What what (laughs) was the impetus to you becoming self-employed? Well, a couple of things led up to it, but I mean, one thing is I, I have ADHD and I've had four jobs at a time and easily worked 120 hours a week before I had a child because I was bored. And what else was I going to do with my time? Sit around and watch TV? I mean, yeah. <laughs> that doesn't sound like fun. Um, Plenty of people do it. I recognize that. And there are people who want nothing more than to have a happy life and a secure home. And they're fine with going and collecting a paycheck and coming home. And if that is what makes you happy, more power to you. For me, I was always dissatisfied. I was always looking for something more. I loved where I was at the time, but I was just like, okay, I've been here six months. I've learned everything there is to learn. I fixed everything that was broken. I've you know, been promoted to management. I've learned all that stuff. Now what? Like, yeah. I couldn't sit around at the same job once I had mastered it. I'm bored and I need something new. So I was a financial advisor, <clears throat> excuse me, and um. 2007. And in 2009, of course, the market crashed. And so at that time, I had a choice, which was I could choose to go into um, financial advising with another company, because I had my all my licenses, I was a stockbroker, financial advisor, you know, I was, I was uh, qualified to give written financial advice. Um, So I could have taken that to any financial uh, institution. But While I was a financial advisor, I had learned about business networking and uh, business marketing and things that I had never been exposed to really before um, since since I was a small child. Um, So I was out in like BNI and, you know, just other American Business Women's Association, National Association of Professional Women, all these organizations, Chamber of Commerce, getting out amongst business people. And... I was finding uh, leads from a cold market, basically, and then converting people into clients. And other people wanted to know how I was doing that because typically, in your first years as a financial advisor, they are just getting you to sell to your friends and family. Yeah. I wasn't doing that. I had my friends and family already had advisors and they weren't going to switch just because I got a new job. (laughs) So... I was going out to these networking events, making connections, connecting other people, and I was using social media, which at the time was an entirely new concept. I was using uh, Facebook and LinkedIn and Twitter within SEC regulations, which is fairly difficult. You kind of have to take a sideways approach because you can't really talk about what you do. Well, it turns out that's very beneficial when you're building human relationships to not talk about yourself and talk about the other people. It works really well. (laughs) So all of a sudden, I was getting invited to speak and teach and train people on how to use social media for business. But I couldn't take any money for it because it was any outside funds were in conflict with my job. So I could I could only do it free. Okay. And then when the market crashed, uh, I, I was like, you know what? I want to go into recruiting or marketing. I love this business marketing stuff. This is something I could be passionate about. And it's there's so much to learn. I don't think I'm going to get bored. And so I started. And I had clients before I started because as soon as I they found out I didn't have my job, they're like, oh, wait, I can pay you to run my social media for me and do my newsletters and my blog? I was like, yes, yes, you can. <laughs> so I started out How as did a you- virtual assistant, basically. <laughs> Well, so when you decided to make that shift, how did you get your first client? Uh, she asked me to work for her. <laughs> but the re- How did she know? How did she, I mean, what, what created that situation where she wanted yeah. to ask you? So I was um, working or volunteering on the board at my local chapter of a women's organization. 
And so I was the VP of marketing and public relations for them because they saw the talent that I had and asked me to fill that board position, which is, you know, it's a volunteer position. So I was doing that, but she was also on the board. So, um, you know, we talked a lot. And then um, as it turned out, she had dogs, wonderful dogs. And they were going on vacation. She asked me to dog sit, and I did. But then we became friends and started talking. And, you know, it's, life is a tangled web. There's no one thing, you know? <laughs> yeah, right, right. But, yeah, so she asked, you know, how are things? And I said, oh, well, you know, I've stopped working my job as a financial advisor, and I don't know what I'm going to do yet. And she's like, wait, wait, you don't have that job that keeps you from doing other work? And I was like, no, I don't have that anymore. And she's like, would you be willing to do my blog and newsletter and social media and, you know, on an ongoing basis and I'll pay you. And I was like, Oh, absolutely. So there you go. (laughs) Um, Well, so I think the, I think the moral here is you put yourself out there. I mean, you you may not have, you know, hung up your shingle and said, Hey, here's what I'm doing, but you were out and you were networking and connecting with people. And so when things changed, people found out about it because you were communicating with them. You were talking to them. And I and was so looking I for a full-time job. I didn't know yeah. what I didn't know. It had not occurred to me yet that I should work for myself. Mm, interesting. But the yeah. other women were like, stop looking for a job and do what you're doing. What you're doing for Vicky, do for other people. Like put a name to it and, and do it. And I thought about that um, for a little bit. And then the next time the board met, um, part of my position, I was in charge of getting a, a sponsor for the room and okay. we didn't have one for March. <laughs> and I was like, you know what? I'll do it. I will start my company and I will sponsor the room. And I had three days. <laughs> oh, wow. So I came up with my concept and my company and my website in three days. Wow. Way to go. And my business cards did not arrive in time. <laughs> so I printed them out on a piece of paper and I cut them out. And I handed them to people and I said, look, I just came up with this name and the business cards are not here yet. Here's your piece of paper. They'll be here soon. And five years later, I got a call from someone who had that piece of paper in their hand and I only gave those out one time. So <laughs> That's funny. I, you know, it just makes me think of the saying like done is better than perfect. Absolutely. Every time. Absolutely. I was not going right. to let that stop. I'm like, should I give them nothing? That makes no sense. Yeah, well, and so many people, but so many other people would have stopped and not gone through with it because they would have said, there's no way I can get it 100% in three days. So what's the difference? Why were you willing to push through that and just get it done versus getting caught up on the idea that it had to be perfect? Probably because I don't care what people think about me to that extent. (laughs) (laughs) I just don't care. I mean, right now I've got very short hair. It's like a very like a boy cut in the back and it's long in the front on one side, but it's blue. My hair is bright blue. And oh, nice. I'm like, I work for myself and I didn't do blue while I was a financial advisor. I could not. Um, but then later I had put in like bits and pieces here and there. And I was like, you know, I'm 43. What if people think I'm too old for that? And then I was like, you know what? Firstly, I'm not too old. It's my hair. And then secondly, mm-hmm. if somebody doesn't want to work with me because I have blue hair, more power to them. They're not my person. You know, I love blue hair. Absolutely. So. <laughs> well, I, and there's, there's an important lesson there. And, and it's simply that you have to be filtering out clients as much as you have to be attracting them, right? Oh, yes. I don't want to work so, with everybody. That would be terrible. Right, right. And well, and the more that you do that, the better aligned the clients are that you get because they're not just aligned with what you do. They're aligned with who you are. And so the mm-hmm. likelihood that they stay, that they have loyalty, that you're able to get more work through networking, word of mouth, Mm -hmm. all goes up by filtering out those clients who aren't the right fit and just want what you do versus what you do and who you are. Well, and I had learned through this networking group where I had always felt to some extent that I don't quite fit in because I consider myself kind of an odd mix of things. You know, I'm, I'm just, I am who I am and I like what I like and my tastes sometimes run contrary to what you would expect. Like I love both country music and pop punk. Like those are my favorite two types. Now I'm in a modern folk, but I like so many different things. And I find yeah. other people kind of just zone in on one and just hold on to that. And I'm like, but no, I, I, I like ballet music and musicals and movies and action and fantasy. I like all the things. So finding a spot to fit in when people love to find how you're different, eh, it can be interesting. But, you know, I've, I've, 
I took a personality test that was a little bit different with my money coach. His name is Wei Hong and he's amazing, but I got this uh, results and it's more in depth. There's fewer questions, but it's more accurate than those regular personality tests. But basically one of my personality traits is crusader, which means I am the person in elementary school who would see a bully picking on someone on the schoolyard. And I would run over and stand in front and be like, what are you doing? Pick on someone your own size. And I mean, this literally happened. And I would wonder why everybody was standing around looking when nobody should be allowing this behavior. And other kids would be wishing they could do something or horrified or just interested and want to see a fight or whatever their purpose was. I was the kid who would step up and stand in front of the bully and glare at them and say no. But that's my personality. You either are hardwired to do that or you are not. And I am. So do you think do you think people can <laughs> reprogram themselves no. to do that no. kind of thing? No. 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 So Why you not? can you can learn a skill and you can improve a weakness, but if your response to a situation is ingrained to your DNA back to like, you know, your ancestors and this is how you are and your core of your being, you're working against yourself to try and change it. I mean, I have a I have a friend who berates herself and puts herself down because she let a situation like that happen and she didn't do anything. And I'm like, don't beat yourself up. That's not you. You have other talents. You are a nurturer. And after the thing has happened, when someone's all sad and needs somebody to listen to them and comfort them and sit with them and be their support, that's you. I'm there at the incident. But if you need like coddling afterwards, don't come to me. That is not me. Like, you know, so everybody has their strength. Right. How do you, how would you recommend people find that balance between developing new skills and mindsets uh, and leveraging who you are? How do you find that balance? Like how much should I invest in developing a new skill or uh, habit or mindset versus spending time just trying to figure out who I am? Well, firstly, I would say you need to take a look at who you are. And if you don't know who you are, that's a problem. Um, I mean, I've always known who I am. I don't, I, I don't um, understand if you don't know who you are. That, that doesn't resonate with me. I have no answer for that. But as far as trying to develop a weakness into a strength, um, for example, I'm really bad at like calculus, algebra, trigonomics, like just know I hate it. I don't want to know it. Um, I can do, of course, like geometry and business math. Um, but I... I would never take my time to go study and become better at math because I don't want to. It doesn't make me happy. It doesn't make me feel fulfilled. If I ever have a use for that skill that software won't answer for me, I will go pay someone who loves math to do it. That's like uh, I have a personal chef. I don't cook. Why? I hate cooking. I hate it. It's, It's a time suck. I'd rather do anything else nearly. But I have a friend who is a chef. He loves to cook. So I pay him to cook. He gets joy out of it. He gets business. He gets his livelihood. That's how he makes his money. And I do marketing for people and they pay me and everybody's happy. I I think this uh, shift we're going through in our economy where people think it's crazy that you could pay someone to come over and put together your Ikea furniture. Yes, absolutely. Do what makes you happy, serves you and is your strength. And pay other people to do their strengths. And then everybody is served and everybody is happier. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's an interesting dynamic. I, 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 the idea of investing in becoming better while also recognizing where your kind of natural strengths lie is an interesting place for individuals and, and those listening well, to explore. Yeah, and you should absolutely invest in education and the places that are your strengths so you can make your strengths truly uh, well-rounded and educated from a, a place of, you know, knowledge. And if you have a weakness that you happen to also be passionate about, by all means. But I find that usually our weakest points are not the places where we want to spend the most time. And I don't think struggling against your nature is a good use of resources. Yeah, I mean, it's a very strengths finder kind of approach mm-hmm. to to development. Yeah. It's a, I, I really like what you said about you know, leveraging other people. Um, And one of the programs that I have out called Escalate Mm -hmm. speaks a lot to that idea of don't let yourself get stuck because you're trying to do it all. When there are literally hundreds of ways to get things done where you don't have to be the one. Oh, absolutely. And like you said, it can be the most 
it could be the most insane things. Like you can, you know, get somebody to come pick up dog poop from your you sure yard. sure can. I see a truck come by for my neighbors. Can, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, or you can get somebody to come fold your laundry. You can get somebody, <gasps> like you list. can get somebody to come. <laughs> so you can get somebody to do all of these things. And it's not that you should avoid anything that's uncomfortable no. to you, but I think if you've let yourself get stuck because you think you have to do every single step of the mm -hmm. process, then that's when you really need to say to yourself or explore, how can I get this done so that I can get moving again versus just staying stuck? Absolutely. Well, and there's a stage in business too, where if you're a solopreneur, you have to decide, am I outsourcing? Am I scaling this by uh, bringing in-house staff? Am I gonna, like, how am I going to grow? Because you as an individual are not scalable. You can't do everything. That's right. just crazy. And now I have some people who say, oh, I can do everything myself and I'm perfectly happy and that's fine. But you're going to tap out around, you know, usually I've seen people can struggle along individually to about $250,000. And if that is as far as you want to go, by all means, absolutely. You could do that probably yourself and a virtual assistant. But if you want to scale yep. and serve more people and, you know, go wider, then you're going to need help. And I don't think there's anything wrong well, with getting help. Yeah. Well, it's interesting you throw that number out because that's uh, that's actually exactly where I was when I was an independent mm -hmm. consultant. Uh, and I was. I was capped out. I traveled, uh, I don't know, 200 days mm -hmm. a mm -hmm. year. Um, I was you just literally maxed out on my time at that mm -hmm. level. Uh, so it's I've seen that. I mean, as a former financial advisor, I tie a lot of numbers to my marketing, which people either embrace and go, yes, this is awesome. I've always wondered, or they just want fluffy marketing and then they're not a good fit for me and they need to go. <laughs> yeah. Well, so the stock market crash was a big kind of stimulant yeah. to get you moving, get you into the, the um, self-employment space. Mm -hmm. What are some other events that have shaped where you're at today? Okay. I said that absolutely was life-changing because as I became an entrepreneur and after I had been doing it full time for a year, there was no going back. Like for better or for worse, this is who I am. I will never go back to work a job mm -hmm. again. And people are like, well, how can you say that? And I'm like, because whatever it takes, just no. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so the next, I would say major shift um, and of course, there were small business uh, ticks and tacks throughout and adjustments as far as what type of work I was doing and how I set up my business as far as went from kind of a virtual assistant to an actual strategist because I needed people to have success and them telling me what to do wasn't right when I'm the professional. So of course, we shifted that. Um, and then we yeah. you know, did the strategy and consulting and then the done for you work, not just check a box and we'll give you what you want. Um, so we shifted right. all that. Um, but then, let's see, I started my business in 2010, in March. And then in um, 2013, in May, I had a little girl. And in October of that year, I moved to Colorado. Because um, basically, to put it succinctly, my ex tried to turn my life into a um, Jerry Springer episode. And I don't play that game. So I moved. To <laughs> okay. I mean, that sums it up. He was drama. And I don't do drama, so I left. Gotcha. But <laughs> so there's not so there's not a Jerry Springer episode I can go look. No, at. absolutely not. Uh, yeah, as soon as as soon as he headed down that path, I'm like, no, 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 absolutely not. I say okay. no to that. Um, <laughs> and so I moved to Colorado because my sister and brother-in-law, their five children, and my fam my parents had all just recently before that moved out here. And it's because okay. my brother-in-law is a military and he's stationed here. Um, so gotcha. yes, so that's why Colorado and I moved here and of course I, I had an infant. So I spent a little bit of time just taking care of her and maintaining my existing client base. And then I got out into Denver and networked and met new people and new opportunities. And, you know, it's a digital marketing agency. So you would think that moving across the country wouldn't affect business much. No, that's the wrong answer. <laughs> Because mm -hmm. people in the South, which Richmond, Virginia is still in the South, um, people, okay. a lot of them are old school. So even though I'm doing digital work, they wanted face-to-face -face meetings. 
Gotcha. So I was like, oh, how interesting. Well, now you, yeah. you fast forward five, five years later, I'm still getting more business from Virginia than I am from Colorado, but my business is international. I mean, I have clients okay. in Costa Rica and I have a lot of stuff going on in Australia. I talk to people in England all the time. So it's an international business. Awesome. Yeah, it's super fun. I'm now to the point where Brennan is five. I'm excited about international, like physically going to speak places. Um, <laughs> I've okay. been doing, yeah. you know, um, summits and online speaking in Australia um, and online speaking across the U.S. And I've done some travel speaking in the U.S., but not outside of the U.S., yet. And that's been by choice, but I'm ready now. I'm like, let's go. <laughs> yeah. Nice. That's exciting. Yeah. It's super exciting. But um, if I had not moved to Denver, then I wouldn't have been on the radio. Fairly certain. Um, yeah. Mm -hmm. So I uh, was offered a radio show here, which was on uh, KMDT. Yeah. KMDT 1690 AM. It's a business talk radio station here in Denver. And I was on the air twice a week for six months. And how did that, how did that come about? <clears throat> well, when you have a social presence, <laughs> which I do. Um, <laughs> so I, I am an online influencer. I, you know, usually you don't say that about yourself. Other people notice it, but it's been said about me enough to where I'm comfortable just coming out with it. Um, but I have a Twitter okay. following. Um, it's around about 120,000 people. And on my primary account, I have, several, but on the big one. And so they found me online and said, we are trying to grow our listenership and we feel like you would be a really good fit for the radio station. And here's how it would benefit you. And I should have probably stopped at, we're trying to grow our listenership. <laughs> Basically <laughs> after okay. six months, I had determined that there was more in it for them than for me, but I was paying and it's not, it's not, oh, cheap. <laughs> it's not cheap. Yeah. So um, I had gotten sponsorship, so I wasn't losing money or anything. I was absolutely profitable, but the return on investment wasn't what was necessary for me to continue on terrestrial radio. Now, the silver lining and the most amazing thing was that the podcast, which is basically just the radio show dropped onto a podcast, <laughs> um, was yeah. getting great feedback and everybody's like, oh my gosh, this uh, content is blowing my mind. I've never heard this before. It's so important. Thank you. And of course, to me, I'm like, how have you never heard this before? Like, cause it's what I talk about all the time, but we forget just because right. we've heard it and people in our industry have heard it. And we know it doesn't mean that everybody knows it because absolutely they don't. Um, so that was a great reminder. And that's well, <laughs> that, that is a really big yeah. reminder and it's really important for people to recognize and understand. And, uh, you know, I have a, similar approach where I always want to give people more and more and more and more. I want them to get where I'm at. Um, and I have to be reminded that no, your, your listenership doesn't need to get where no. you're at. You just need to give them something to help them take the next step forward. But I'm always like, well, they need to know this and this and this. And so I'm always pushing to give more and more and more. Um, and sometimes it's too much. And so recognizing that, uh, that you just need to give like that little bit, that one right, step yes. to help somebody is the Sometimes big piece. you really just need to step back and think about what, what you need to know when you were first starting out because people who need your help, who don't know what you know, they can't start where you are now. You have to step back and start from the beginning. Um, so it's yeah, really interesting. Right. But the feedback I got from my audience who are speakers, authors, coaches, subject matter experts, and people who are aspiring or budding influencers. So that's who I'm talking okay. to in general. It also applies to general small businesses, especially online. Um, but really, I'm not focused on, you know, brick and mortar stores, you know, I don't talk a lot about e commerce, I'm talking about people who have a product or service to sell online for the most part. Um, <clears throat> yeah, gotcha. so I am helping these people and I had a point when I started. <laughs> oh, the, the feedback from them. That's where I was going. So the feedback from them was this yes. content is great. What you're teaching is fantastic. I love the show, but what's with the commercials? Why does, why do you keep telling us that we're listening to the radio? What is with this radio business? And so, <laughs> so 
So basically, my audience is not a radio audience. My my audience is a podcast audience, and podcast audiences don't like radio format. So that's what I found out. Okay. So, yeah. yeah. So we were planning to relaunch uh, the podcast uh, right now. It should have been going, but it's not. Um, and what we're going to do, and we're still going to do this. Let me slow down. We're still going to do that. We've just delayed. Is uh, to go back and re-record the intro with my dad doing the voiceover because he taught radio and television broadcasting at William & Mary and he has the best voice. So I know, it's oh, awesome. Is, and I'm like, awesome. I want my dad in my show. Uh, so we're going to record yeah. all the intros and outros and changeovers with my dad's voice. So that's going to be step one. And then um, get our own music because the radio station is licensed to use any music. So they picked popular, like actual music but i can't i can't use that on a podcast because i'm not licensed for that and i'm not paying so much so we're getting we're getting our own theme music which is by the way the sample i gave them to give me a something similar is buffy the vampire slayer by nerf herder (laughs) something like that um because i'm a geek and then we're going to scrub out all the commercials and the only commercials we'll add back in or our um episode sponsors or show sponsors, season sponsors, some sort of sponsorship. And then, <clears throat> excuse me, my um, my own products can sponsor my show, should I choose. So, okay. I, but that's sure. it. So we're going to use this pre-recorded content. We've already got 44 episodes recorded and we've got, I think, a total of 10 more written out in their entirety, ready to be recorded. But since we're dropping from two times a week to one time a week, uh, I've got nearly a year of content ready to go. It that's is great. so exciting. I, you know, that's a, a, well, it is. And, it, and it's a great example of just a, a subtle shift. You know, it, I think a lot of times people want to start over. They want to, you know, stop what they're doing and completely oh, start tempting. over and, and do something it's different. It's so right? tempting to re-record, but I'm just like, no, yeah. this is good stuff. People are saying they like it. I don't need to re-record it. I tried right. to make it evergreen stuff in the first place. Like, there's no real like tactics. It's all strategy and behaviors that will stand the test of time. And if we say something that's a tactic, we say so. But um, it's mostly evergreen stuff. And I did that on purpose. And I divided it into seasons of 10 episodes where this season we're talking about book marketing. This season we're talking about filling in-person events. This season we're talking about online courses. So people could go to whatever they need. Um but it was so tempting That's great. now that I've shifted to helping primarily podcasters to start over and just talk about podcasting and be kind of meta. And then I was like, you know what? No, right. no, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to use what I have the way that it was because it's good and there's no reason to change it. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love that you made that you know subtle shift. And I think that that's a great lesson for other people to think about. Am I trying to start over when I could just yeah. make and a I check small in with my team. And, uh, and I check in with my results. team and I was like, what do you yeah. guys think? And they're like, no, don't do that. Of course you're, you should keep, keep just re- relaunch what you have. Plus <laughs> since we don't have to put all this money into actually being produced onto the radio, um, we're going to take the difference and use it into, you know, Facebook ads to grow our audience. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. We always have a plan. <laughs> Things don't go to plan, of course, but of course. Uh, we have. They never but, do. They never do, right? I mean, that's that's part of the journey is that exactly. things don't go to plan. Well, I don't know if it was Eisenhower or another general, but one of the, the big said, no uh, battle plan survives contact with the battlefield. But the process of planning is invaluable. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Well, it's it's uh, Mike Tyson has the quote where he says, "Everybody has a plan until they get punched <laughs> in the face." That's hilarious! Oh my god, he's so funny. But it's the same. It's the same idea, right? It's like, yeah, you have a plan, but I promise you, it's not going right. to play out in the same way. <laughs> That's where I think you know we uh, we actually have a, a whole system within my business where we do adaptive planning, and it's the whole concept of how do you plan yeah. to be adaptive versus just planning right. to carry out. You know, that makes steps. sense. So here's the thing. I actually teach. Um, also, one of my workshops is how to create a marketing calendar that actually works for your business. And it's a, you know, a brainstorming and, a, and it's a, 
it's a way to help people say no, no, I don't have the bandwidth to do that. Or yes, I absolutely can commit to that. But it helps you plan out when you can launch it. Here's the thing though, it's sticky notes on a physical calendar, like a desk blotter calendar, a big one, because you Uh are going to have to move those things around a lot before you get them right. But sometimes there's some things that can't be planned around. And I'll tell you what, I have moved my sticky notes this year. I have moved them. (laughs) And I took I took fully um, yeah. two thirds of my sticky notes off this last quarter. So to be adaptable and know this is what's core and this is what's important. And this is stuff that is nice to do, but if we don't get to it, we can just, you know, put it on a later date or possibly let it go. Um, I flat canceled yeah. some workshops that were in the mm-hmm. books that we were planning. They hadn't been publicly announced yet, but if they had, I still would have canceled them. So well, that's the thing, you know, saying no is such a, a big part of being able to move forward successfully. We have something similar where we have a process called pruning and it's that exact thing, right? Nice. It's being as intentional about what you're not going to do as you are about what you are going to do. Are you working and with so bonsai process... trees? <laughs> no, no, but we should. That's a great little analogy we could use. To, I just got the like share. Mr. Miyagi like scene in my head from Karate Kid. Where you're I know, I know. I totally did too. You should use that. <laughs> <laughs> we should. We definitely should. But it's, it's the same concept, right? It's like if you don't say no to something, you're not going to be able to actually do anything. You have to get good at saying no to the right you things. You do. And then, well, the other, the flip side of that is when you have laid your calendar out in such a way that you know I'm launching then, I have white space here, because you have to rest your list. You can't always be promoting. People will get burnt out. So if you know exactly when you're doing what and you put the things that can't be moved, if someone says to you, I will have a summit and I'm doing it next month, would you be interested in participating? You can say, um, no, I have I have commitments at that time, but I would be interested in doing it next year. And yeah. then, you know, or if you are interested, if you're not, I mean, I have literally had people ask me to participate in something that's coming up in 30 days. And I'm like, um, we're already in the promotion. Like, we should be promoting that if you're doing it. Why are you asking me now? This should have been something you asked me, if not a year ago, a quarter ago. So it allows you, Definitely. once you're in this rhythm, to judge other people's rhythm and know whether or not that's going to be something you want to participate in. Now, if they said we were full up and one person dropped out, oh, okay, that makes sense. Um, But it also frees you up to be able to say yes to a lifetime opportunity. Because if some... Oh, I love that. Yeah. So if your calendar's laid out, um, but somebody says to you, I want you to come speak live in Germany and we have got your ideal client audience of a thousand people... Yeah, I'm going. I don't care what I have to move. <laughs> yeah. So you. I love what you just said. It frees you up to say yes to a lifetime opportunity. I love yeah. that. And if you are so mapped out, how do you do that? How do you say yes to those opportunities? Sticky notes. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> I think it's a fantastic recommendation. I yeah, love it. Yeah, no, it's good stuff. I've been I've been teaching that um, that class now for six years, so I know it works. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Well, before before we actually jumped on, you and I were just talking about how, you know, sometimes when we have these conversations, it seems like everything's neat and kind of mapped out. And it's like, yeah, that that journey looks really good in hindsight. But you and I were just talking about how, you know, life is, is complicated and it's messy. And there's a lot of, uh, there's just a lot of things going on all at the same time, right? Yeah. Just, it's like, you can have one thing going phenomenal and at the same time be a complete disaster in, in one and something Absolutely. else. It's like life isn't just one thing or the Absolutely. other. It's all of them mixed together continually. Yep. And, and that is the case. So, um, I'm fairly open about my life and what goes on and I don't parade around either like too much success or too much like drama because there's a kind of a happy medium. Like if you're always putting on the Instagram, like curated perfection that just feels fake and weird. And then, I mean, it's good on Instagram, mind you, but everywhere else it's fake and weird. And then if you are always wallowing around in the bad, well, that's just depressing and nobody wants to hang out there either. But I feel like it's okay, obviously to share life experiences and what's, you know, what's going on. As long as you're cognizant of how what you say and share uh, reflects on other people too. Like 
For example, yeah. when I gloss over what happened with my ex, I mean, it was major, major drama, but my daughter, that's her father and she's going to grow up someday. And I'm not putting his business out into the world like that. That's ugly. So I don't do it. Um, yep. But yep. right now, as you and I were just talking about, I still have people who apparently I'm holding my do you curse on your thing? I was just going to say curse word, but I'm holding my stuff together um, well enough that people who don't know me don't realize that my husband just passed away a month ago on the 1st of September. And I'm right. suffering. I am in a bad place right now. I am moving forward. I am dealing, but I just burst out into crying in public sometimes. I mean, you know, I'm not by all means, understandably, uh, right? I mean, he was 49 years old and we knew he was diabetic and he's got, um, he had all kinds of medical bills leading up to what happened. So that's fun for me now. Um, <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah, it's, it's a thing. Um, but he was 49 years old and he went to bed on a Friday night and he did not wake up on Saturday because he had a heart attack. And now my daughter has lost her stepfather who was daddy to her. And I have lost my husband. So it's horrifying. And I mean, I, I am glad, though, of a few things. Because when things like this happen, you have to look to what's going right. I am self-employed. I did not have to beg for time off to go arrange a funeral. I took an entire week. I didn't talk to anybody. Um, you know, I didn't have to ask permission to spend time with my daughter. I didn't have to go back to work and sit at my desk, staring there, trying not to cry while other people looked at me, you know? Um, right. I have a community of friends online through my business who came to support me. One of my friends who I had only met through Facebook, she visited, she visited with us once here in Denver and her family came and met my family while they were on vacation, but she flew in from Texas to be with me. Like if you are yourself all the time, people will support you. So, yeah, yeah absolutely. So there was that. But also now I have made the decision to streamline my business and only focus on um, co coaching people for podcasting. And I hadn't considered that prior to this. I really was like, okay, personal, like household income dropped by half. Um, bills went right. up. Medical bills are now going to come to me. His company is refusing to pay out his insurance because there's a technicality and we're looking into it. But in the meanwhile... I am on my own with crazy mad bills and a, I was financially secure and then overnight I wasn't. <laughs> and as a financial advisor, I don't like it. <laughs> yeah. Well, it, you know? I just, I think that it's so important for us to have these conversations because, it, you know, you can get on all sorts of podcasts and talk about business and about success and about strategy and all this stuff. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, there's a person behind mm -hmm. all of this. And life isn't just about success. It's not just about business. It's not just about entrepreneurship. It's not just about, you know, these things, it's right? Everybody's together. experiencing this life. It is, right? It's just, it's this messy, complex thing that we're all exploring together. Yeah. You can't separate and like think, your business from your life because your business yeah. impacts your life and your life impacts your business. And I personally as a self-employed person believe that I am doing what I'm supposed to be doing, what I'm called to do. And I've never been more sure of that than when the chips are down and people are saying, what can you do right now where you can serve people to bring in extra money? And I'm like, I can show them how to podcast. You know, I'm like, I have successfully run a major show and I just put my launch on hold because my husband died, but I know what we're doing. It's just, I need a, I need a space to breathe for a minute, you know? Yeah. Absolutely. And so, but it, but it's just a delay. It's not a stop. And then I'm looking at it and saying, I'm going back to my core of education. I'm going to do workshops. And then we've got the agency done for you services. And I'm like, that's it. Everything else that was on the counter is gone. Except I have a speaking hmm. engagement in Virginia in uh, December. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that's on because I have decided, of course, to move back to Virginia because when when you know that time is finite and things are limited, I cannot live another year away from the ocean. I cannot do it. <laughs> I have got to go where I can see and smell and hear the water. And we're going to live like 20 to 30 minutes away from the beach, but we'll be right off a, a major river. So I'm just like, yeah, I've. 
it's time for us to go. And my daughter's all like, when are we going to see the ocean? When are we going to see the ocean? Because I take her <laughs> twice a year at least because, yeah, I mean, the mountains are pretty and all, but I am a water girl. I want the ocean. <laughs> <laughs> Well, how, what, what recommendation would you give to people that are in this messy place? I mean, obviously it's new. It's you're, you're in it right mm-hmm. now and you're finding a way to push forward. And it, and it's, you know, I, I can't even, you know, I can't even no, comprehend. Don't even what, try to wrap your brain around it. There's no point. <laughs> right. Right. So what, what, I mean, I can't give that kind of guidance. What recommendation, what guidance would you give to somebody who's in that messy, you know, painful space and just needs to be able to take some steps right. forward? Well, and that's the thing, just like there's more than one way to correctly run a business. There's more than one way to correctly deal with grief. And my way of uh, focusing or, or changing things is I, I I have a, I'm, I already told you I'm the crusader. So there's that. But I also, one of my personal talents is persistence, consistency, uh, you know, persistency, showing up, um, creating order out of chaos. These are all personality traits that I have. So for me, when something major like this just takes all illusion of control away, it's really <laughs> kind of debilitating. But so I just look back and say, okay, what can we work on? What can, what plans can we make? What can we control? Let's focus on those things for right now and just take the steps. And if taking the steps doesn't produce the result that we're hoping for, then it doesn't matter because I will have been taking action. Yeah. Well, so I, I think it comes full circle in some of the things we were talking about before. So we talked about how there's no right way to do a lot of this stuff, right? That you just have to go do it. You have to try it. You have to experiment because there's no right way to lead. There's no right way to run a business. There's lots of different ways and based on context. So what you just said is I found what's what's working for mm-hmm. me, but there's no right way for anybody else. They, they shouldn't be just trying to follow my path, right? They should be figuring it out and pushing forward. Um, because there isn't a right way. It's not like you're going to be able to just go Google, you know, how do I get through this really challenging, difficult, you know, painful experience. You have to start taking those steps Mm -hmm. forward. And then the other piece that it reminded me of that we talked about was being brutally honest with Mm -hmm. yourself. So, you know, I think there are those moments in, in those moments, you have to be brutally honest with yourself and you said it about what you can control. And then, um, to put like kind of the icing on the cake and to some people, it probably sounds like a small thing, but when things aren't going well for me, I swim. I, I'm a, I've been a competitive swimmer since the age of five. I do U.S. Masters swimming and I'm really good at it. I'm <laughs> really, really good. Yeah, um, like, I, I came out, I came back after 20 years out and my first meet, I came out in the top 16 in two events, like nationally in my age group. So I'm like, I'm really good. Yeah. So it, it feels good. Everybody has to have a hobby, you know? <laughs> so I went after my husband had to go swim and I am having a pinched nerve in my neck and I cannot rotate my right arm. So oh, yeah, I could literally not swim. I got out and cried. I went in the hot tub. There were three guys in there and I was crying. They all got up and left. It was so funny. <laughs> I was just like, Oh, thanks guys. Where are all the women? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I'm not insane, but you know, you see a random stranger oh. crying and you're a guy, you're like, okay, bye. Right. <laughs> but that's okay. I just that's needed to soak my arm anyway. <laughs> but anyway, um, so now I've got to go get physical therapy so that I can get back into the thing that physically, mentally, like, I guess um, it gives you like the endorphins that help you feel better. I'm like, I need my swimming. People are like, go run. I'm like, dude, firstly, I'm not running unless the zombies are coming. Um, I tore my knee up in the army and that hurts. And I didn't like it before that. <laughs> so anyway, yeah, no, there's, there's no one, one right way. However, I have found that if you find out, basically get your own oper- operating manual and find out what feeds your soul, what feeds your brain, what feeds you and makes you happy and then get more of that. So I love, I love that. Get your own operating. I'm telling you, I got mine from my money coach. Like he has a thing and I took it and it was awesome. And he said, and I mean, I'll pat myself on the back for a second, but he said, I'm most, I am one of the most self-aware people he's, he's had come into it because everything he said just confirmed what I already knew. And he said, usually there's more like revelation 
where people are like, oh, I, that makes sense, but I had never thought of it. And with me, he's like, yeah, you already knew all this. You were, you were on the cusp of like getting everything to just click and being off to the races and making millions of dollars. And I'm like, sweet. I'm glad to hear it. <laughs> yeah. uh, Cause we're humans. Even when we get well, it right, it breaks. Like this, there's not one yep. thing you can do now that's going to be good forever. Like if I get everything going perfectly now and something in my life happens, like one of these transitions, I may need to reevaluate, you know, go back and I don't know, spend time with family, go to the ocean, go to church, whatever, um, get myself in order. And it's, it's a process. I mean, we're just inherently flawed. That's how we are. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, so I, man, I, I love this, you know, the openness that you've, you've had with us being willing to share the experiences that you've had and the insights. I think that um, some great things came out of this talking about, you know, how there's no right way being brutally honest. I love what you're talking about freeing you up to say yes to those lifetime opportunities. Um, I like the idea and I need to spend some more time thinking about this, you know, creating your own operating mm -hmm. manual. I think those are all fantastic insights. So I, I just, I want to say thank you. Thank oh, you so, so much welcome. for, for being on with us and for being open and sharing your journey and experience all the messiness of it and the successes. You with us. are thank absolutely you. welcome. Anytime. I just, I, people seem to, we get too much in our own problems and we need to show grace to other people so that I, this is an example. I was at a women's group the other night and people were talking about traffic and people's behavior around here in Denver, which I'm sure you're familiar with. And people get really <laughs> like selfish on the road. And you have a choice when that happens of how to deal with it. And the other, some, one of the women was like, I get so mad. I just, oh, I'm so frustrated. And I was like, oh, really? I just tell myself a story about why they're in a hurry. And I don't know if it's true or not, but I'm sure it's true for someone. I'm like, they they either really have to go to the bathroom or there's an emergency or, you know, they're on their way to a job interview that's going to make or break their life. Or it's like, they really have something going on. And I'm, I don't know what's going on with them, obviously, but it's something clearly. And if it's just that they're a jerk, well, then I feel yeah. sorry for them. So, <laughs> you know, um, but you can get stressed out over that or not. It's your choice. So I feel like if we show yeah. people grace when they're having, maybe you're seeing them at their worst moment at their worst day. So just, do this other thing and kill them with kindness. That's all. I love it. I think that's a, a fantastic place to, to let all people right. simmer on is that idea of killing people with kindness, um, showing some other people some grace, recognizing that life is messy yeah, for all of us. We're going through it. And, they're going uh, through it. That's so, right. Yep. A hundred percent. Absolutely. Well, uh, for our listeners, be ready to check out the Social Savvy Geek Show. Um, I will be sharing it with everyone and uh, giving some links uh, with the podcast. So we'll definitely make sure people have a chance to connect with you. If they want to follow more of your journey and your experiences and your content and insights, where can I am they go? Social Savvy Geek everywhere you look. My favorite is Twitter. I teach a whole class on it. Okay. I'm on Facebook, Instagram. You know, If you Google Social Savvy Geek, you'll find me the first like 10 pages. It's good stuff. <laughs> All right. Well, we will be checking out Social Savvy Geek and we'll be sharing some links for people to follow. Lara, thank you so much for joining us today. Really appreciate it. Thank you for having, having me, on. Kyle. I appreciate it. Folks, this has been another episode of the Art of Strategic Reaction. Thanks for listening and be ready to catch us on the next episode.